I think there are a lot of really great life lessons in the CrossFit space. And one of those is I want to be as good as possible in as many different areas as possible. And in the gym, that means, you know, barbell and dumbbell and tire and rope and running and biking and whatever. In life, that means physically. It means emotionally. It means my relationships. It means my sleep. It means my work. It means, you know, I want to do the best I can in all of those things. And, and that means you got to pay attention to all of them, right? You can't be um, so completely focused on one that you let something else go or you're not going to be really good at a lot of things. This is the Becoming a Better Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wright, where we talk about real men with real feelings, all sharing our search to become the best version of ourselves possible and what it takes to get us there. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Becoming a Better Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Wright, physical therapist, and it's one of those rare but special episodes where I actually have a guest interview on deck. How about that? So uh, it's it's an episode where you don't just get to hear me talk to myself into a microphone aimlessly and then eventually come back around at the end to where it all seems to make sense uh, most of the time. But uh, it's pretty laid back conversation here with a guy that I have a lot of respect for, uh, not only not only as a man, but as a uh, as a business owner or somebody who practices um, a lot of what he preaches that tries to be um, as self-aware as possible. uh, And then also really highly values the importance of uh, the physical care of our bodies, not just the the emotional and the mental and the relational. So, um, guys, on this episode, we have Derek Mason. Uh, he's a mental health coach. He's marriage and family uh, relationship specialist, also a functional medicine certified health coach. He's got 10 years of experience as a high school teacher, 12 years of experience working in mental health, and nine years experience as a CrossFit coach with four and a half of those years as a CrossFit gym owner. So Derek, man, appreciate you coming on the episode. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> always, always good to catch up. Uh, it's been a little while, but um I feel like as with most uh, most friendships and, and kinships and things like that, it's it can be almost like you didn't miss a beat. So um, to kind of get into the episode and, and a lot of the stuff that I'm curious about to get your your perspective and your wisdom and things on has to do with, um, you know, just kind of the, the male journey in general. Um, what especially with the current climate, I think of where things are at, uh, whether it be from a, a world perspective or uh, on a micro level, um, what, what do you feel like is something that guys in general, uh, tend to struggle a lot with when it comes to, um, societal roles, uh, whether it be internal pressure from themselves or their families, um, or just trying to keep up with external appearances. Did, does that seem like something that is is prevalent now more than ever or is it just kind of always been that way i think it's always been that way in my experience at least that you know the thing that i would that comes to mind that, that um maybe it's the biggest struggle is just dealing with emotions and I, I know you've talked about that in some of your other episodes i've listened to a couple of those um you know if, if there was one thing that i would and i you know i don't work just with males right i work a lot with um couples <clears throat> um, and just people in general um I would say that just dealing with emotions, recognizing them, being able to sit with them and then, and then handle them in a healthy way is probably the most consistent thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, that's been my experience as well. Um, just again, I can only speak on my own experiences, but, um, I know it's also a common thread of when I talk to my other guy friends or, uh, even clients, it's, a. it seems to be like, dealing or facing with emotions that aren't comfortable is really scary, you know, mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes I think is, is guys. And again, like I, I know you work with, with couples as well, but um, you know, speaking from a male perspective, what, what is it about that, that we tend to want to run so far away from? Well, I think it's two things. Uh, well, I'm sure it's more than two things. I think there are two significant things that come to my mind. Um, Number one is that 
culture kind of suggests that guys aren't supposed to be emotional. Um, and I think that's a problem. The second thing that I think is just kind of culturally across the board is that we're not good at sitting with uncomfortable. And I don't think that's specific to guys. I think that, um, I think that runs the gamut of all kinds of things. Um, because everything in our life is all about instant gratification. It's all about make it feel good right now. It's all about fast food and social media and, you know, scroll to the next thing that keeps you entertained. You know, the, the capacity to just sit with being uncomfortable for a little while is really lacking. Uh, and I, I really think that's a significant problem. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to echo that um, because that's been my experience as well. There's people that have been uh, various relationship um, in, encounters that I've had in my life, whether it be friendships or romantic relationships, it seems like there's a common thread in most all of us. In fact, I think it's probably a rare trait anymore uh, for somebody to really want to embrace that discomfort, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, no, I definitely agree. I, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and, and you know, I've heard folks talk about kind of the evolutionary process. You know, at one point, comfort was not a problem because we didn't have it, right? You were constantly looking for your next meal. You were constantly running from whatever, saber-toothed tigers. I don't know. Um, but as as we've evolved and, of course, technology and everything else, you know, comfort um, is, is really easy to come by. And it, we're kind of wired to sit in comfort unless we bring some intention around sitting in discomfort. We, you know, the the momentum pulls us towards sitting in a comfortable place. But the problem is, uh, you know, that um, number one, of course, there's no growth in that, but oftentimes there's decay in that, right? Things start to break down because we're not willing to deal with things that are inevitable, but are also uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent because it's, it's like, if you're not, again, my opinion, but if you're not continually moving forward and that's not to say that, you know, the, the process of growth and trying to better oneself and to heal oneself, that's not to say that it has to be like a hundred mile an hour process all the time. Like it needs yeah. to ebb and flow. Like you need to be able to take your foot off the gas and kind of collect yourself. And then you need to also be, you know, kind of aware enough to read uh, the tarot cards, if you will, or read the, the pressure in the atmosphere and understand, oh, now it's time to start accelerating again. Um, and it's, it's easy. Like you said, it's easy to really kind of sit back and, and put on cruise control and just kind of blow in the wind directionless. And I think that's when we drift and a lot of, you said it perfectly, decay happens. And if we're not pushing, then we're not growing. And if we're not growing, then I feel like we are, we're shrinking, you know, in some way, shape or form. And, I'm, I'm always fascinated. In fact, one of the things that kind of drew me to wanting to reach out to you in the first place a few years ago uh, was just really hearing about your approach from like a full 360 view uh, when it came to how you, you like to run your business, you know, and, and especially the two, two sides of it, you know, embracing the physical discomfort and also how does that translate over to handling other discomforts? Have you, you know, now that you've been in this, this world of CrossFit and, um, and, and coaching things and then owning a box, you know, almost 10 years now, have you found any particular life lessons through that? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it, the answer is obviously yes. You know, trying to distill that down into, uh, intelligent sounding answers might be a little bit difficult. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, CrossFit is not the only way to do things. Obviously, there are a lot of good things that work out there. This just happens to be the one that fits me the best. And I think my personal belief is that, that it works the best. Um, and one of the things that we value is um, is keeping yourself out of a routine. You know, the, the conventional exercise program is pretty consistent. You know, you do the same thing on Mondays and the same thing on Tuesdays and the same thing on Wednesdays. Um, and you know, we don't, we don't do it that way because we want to keep the body kind of guessing, you know, the adaptation works better when it doesn't get into a routine. Um, but then it fits back into that uncomfortable thing, emotional or physical. Um, and, and I, I think 
I know, I know for sure that the lesson that I learned in the CrossFit gym about being uncomfortable is absolutely translated into my normal life. Um, um, and, and especially in terms of uh, the emotional discomfort, you know, being able to sit in emotional discomfort, which I'm like everybody else, man, I don't always do it very well. There are plenty of times I don't do it very well. Um, and, and, you know, of course, like everybody else, that tends to be with the people who matter the most to me. So, um, but I think the CrossFit space has helped me be better at that without defaulting as quickly to conflict avoidance, um, you know, doing whatever I have to do in the moment to make it stop. Hmm. Yeah. That, I, and I think that sounded pretty intelligent for an answer. So, uh, crisis averted there. Um, yeah, it's something, you know, I, I've got limited experience in CrossFit. In fact, the only times I've ever done it was, was at your, at your gym and something that I always took away from it. I had a great deal of respect for all of you guys uh, because like, as you even would kind of call me out sometimes, like uh, I had a lot of muscle. I didn't have a lot of, uh, a, a lot of stamina and uh, <laughs> it, it definitely, it definitely translates. And it's one of those things where it's like, um, you know, it's, it's really easy in a more traditional uh, training protocol or program to be able to kind of take your foot off the gas whenever you feel like it, right? Like you, you push it down for 30, 60, 90 seconds, and then you take it off and then you repeat that and you get used to that, that ebb and flow. And then when you're put in an environment to where on its, on its own, right? If there's nobody else in there, you can do that, right? Because the only person you're accountable to is yourself, but it's not that way. In fact, like if anything, my biggest enemy in the CrossFit, and I know you've seen this with all the different people you've had uh, as members and people who've popped in and out is the biggest enemy a lot of, of a lot of people is their ego. You know, that, probably more often than not as a male problem, um, but not, not exclusive to that for sure. Um, you know, the, the thing that's most likely to get you hurt is, um, well, there are two things, I guess, moving poorly with inappropriate amount of weight or some kind of inappropriate movement pattern. Um, but then also your ego, right? Not, not being able to just dial it back and, um, and do what's appropriate for you today. You know, CrossFit is, is, is really good at, humbling you in that regard, but it's also really good at giving you the, um, the place to be stupid. And, uh, you know, that's when people tend to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool thing. And it's one of those where it's like, I, again, guys, this is a, probably a greater lesson too. identifying your weaknesses and then kind of knowing how deep you want to dive into those weaknesses. Because with me, I've, I've tended to like stick more with what I'm comfortable with mm -hmm. when it comes to my training versus just continuing to immerse myself in something that's uncomfortable, like a CrossFit format. Um, but the thing is that, that I think is really good. And I think, and this could be maybe like a more meta uh, comparison or road we can branch off onto is the, the community and just how much of a difference that makes in that, um, there, you know, there's a healthy sense of competition there. Right. Um, but then ultimately like everybody knows that their competition is themselves. Right. right? Yeah. Um, and you know, every, every CrossFit community, just like every other, any kind of community is a little bit different. Um, and, um, you know, I said earlier that, you know, CrossFit gives you the space to be stupid and get, get yourself hurt. I worked really hard here at least to create an environment where that's as, as least likely as possible. You know, there is some good natured competition, but uh, we've implemented some, some ideas around minimizing that to a certain degree so that you're not chasing something or less likely to chase something that really is out of your capacity in that particular moment. Um, and, you know, so most of the competition is good natured, you know, it's not, um, you know, put 10 more pounds on the bar and, let's see what happens no matter what kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I like that because yeah, I think what you guys have cultivated in your gym there um, is different than probably what, like what you said, I wouldn't find that same environment if I went to any other ones. And that's not to say that one's better than the other. It's, it's just like with anything is you have to 
find what's going to work best for you and what's going to fit best for you. And I like how um, kind of something that you'd put down was that um, your emphasis on the integration of mental and emotional health, as well as physical health. Um, you know, if, if you don't mind, like, what are, what are some of the things that you tend to see um, in people? Like, do you see that there's a, a willingness to, for people to like rather go in one direction more than, than both? Like, like, are they just, is it, do they want to put the blinders on to the mental emotional side and then just try to focus on the physical and how does that work for them? Or are they just wanting to go in the mental emotional and ignore the physical and how does that work for them? Um, that's a hard question to answer because, you know, my, my two professional worlds are, um, there's a lot of overlap conceptually. There's not a whole lot of overlap in my client base. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people who come to the gym are here just to be at the gym, but because I do what I do, you know, the rest of my job, I just notice things more than most probably, you know, and, and, um, everybody has some baggage. Everybody's struggling with some stuff. You know, sometimes it's really significant. Sometimes it's pretty minor. Um, I think, um, you know, the gym offers people a chance to get away from that for a little while to burn up some energy that maybe if left kind of boiling inside might be uh, destructive or at least not helpful in some way. It's, you know, physical health and well-being and exercise, nutrition, sleep, that's not a a part of every single conversation. But um, whenever I can sneak it in there, I try to make it part of that because, you know, I think it all goes together. I don't think you can be at your best when, um, you know, you're kicking ass in the gym, but you and your wife fight all the time or, you know, you're constantly stressed out over your work situation or you don't get enough sleep at night or your nutrition is really bad or whatever. Right. I think, you know, it, it. I do CrossFit, right? I'm not a CrossFitter in the sense that that's my entire identity. I think there are a lot of really great life lessons in the CrossFit space. And one of those is I want to be as good as possible in as many different areas as possible. And in the gym, that means, you know, barbell and dumbbell and tire and rope and running and biking and whatever. In life, that means physically. It means emotionally. It means my relationships. It means my sleep. It means my work. It means, you know, I want to do the best I can in all of those things. And, and that means you got to pay attention to all of them, right? You can't be um, so completely focused on one that you let something else go or you're not going to be really good at a lot of things. Hmm. Yeah, you, you'd said something also um, that really stuck out to me and because I, I agree with it. And um, I know speaking from my own perspective, a lot of times I, I like um, – some aspects of isolating in terms of that gives me more time to be out of the spotlight and off stage uh, because it's, it's tempting for me. And I know I got a, a lot of guys who listen to this or in the same boat. It's really tempting to in crowds, whether it be of, of one or two other people or multiple to kind of put on this, this character, right. This persona uh, to entertain or, um, you know, fill a void if you sense it in the, in the vacuum. Um, but at the same time, I think that, I don't know, what are your thoughts on how over the last like year and a half, I think we've been exposed to a lot of isolation. Um, and you'd put something down that, you know, connection is the highest priority. Um, you know, in, in what ways do you, um, see that or feel that to be, um, true, especially now? Um, I think that applies in several different contexts. You know, we're social beings. We're made that way, even though some of us are pretty, um, um, pretty individual. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the word, um, but I think we're made to be social beings. That's just kind of wired in who we are. Right. I think the isolation of COVID and, and the restrictions um, were really hard in a lot of ways emotionally. Um, but then I've also talked to people who, um, and it seems like, especially people who have a family at home, right? This is not necessarily somebody who lives alone, but people who have a family at home, I'd actually give them a chance to strengthen some of those connections at home, right? So there are hierarchies, I think, of connection. And, um, you know, if you, whatever the status of the relationship, if you live with somebody, that's a higher 
relationship on the hierarchy than, you know, your friend circle or your coworkers. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think investing in that is probably the most valuable. And then also adding to that, because it's probably not fair to put all of your needs on one person. Um, but then having a group, a tribe, whatever you want to call it, it might be a group at the gym. It might be a men's group through your church. It might be a book club, a knitting circle. I don't really care, but probably ought to have that also. And, you know, thankfully we've kind of come out of the, some of that, um, and, and able to get together again, but who knows where we're headed, you know, with, uh, with this new strain, I don't really watch the news much, but I hear that things aren't going well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same boat there. I just, I try not to, I, you know, I, I think it's, I think there's a healthy thing. I mean, yeah, to have some sense of awareness if there's a bigger thing going on, but um, at the same time, I think really the truest test of where our worlds are at, like on a collective individual, even basis is what does it look like with what you see day in and day out? Like that's, that's ultimately your world. And I think to focus too much on what's outside of that uh, can start to bleed into you wanting to question the reality of what you're seeing and experiencing firsthand. And then you start to get that dissonance of what's true, what's not true. And uh, I think that's a slippery slope, especially with a lot of us that, uh, you know, that aren't quite as fortified in our own self-awareness and, um, sense of strength and confidence in our, in ourselves and things like that. Um, you know, talking about how we're social beings, I, I agree. I think we're wired to interact with other people. That's why from as far back as we can remember, we started tribes and villages and things like that. Um, why is it that it's so hard for us though, to connect with other people, even though we desire it more than anything? My, you know, I'm not the expert. I can give you my opinion. I can tell you what I think. I think that um, we're wired to connect on, on different levels, right? So you think about a, a pack of animals, they kind of depend on each other for their basic needs, right? Food, warmth, whatever, shelter, whatever. Um, and I think there's some of that in our, in our history, but I think um, because we're conscious beings, then there's the emotional aspect to that. Some people, um, you know, introverted, maybe they're not wired to be very connected with a whole lot of people. Um, whereas extroverted people really need that connection um, with a lot more people. But I just think it's inherent to who we are. And I think for most people, it starts in their marriage or their intimate partner relationship, whatever that looks like. Um, and, and, um, and I think most of the time, that's where we need to put our priorities because that's the one that's the most um, impactful in our life. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think that, some of the, I mean, again, and it's nuanced. So I'm, there's, there's about a million shades of gray in there. So it's hard to, to really kind of pin it down with a, oh yeah, this is the single most important thing, or this is the, these are the three top things to get things back on track. Um, but do you find in terms of prevalence that a lot of the disconnect that comes from, especially the, the relationship at home, um, how related is that to the relationship that we have or don't have with ourselves? Uh, my, my opinion is that it's, um, it's very tightly connected because I think that what affects relationships, we'll say intimate partner relationships. So that's kind of the context, right? Even if I don't think to say that, I think what affects relationships the most is uh, reactivity, mm. right? So many people, go through life most of the time fairly mindless, right? They're just kind of going through the motions. They're going to work. They're going to whatever ball game. They're going home. And there's not a lot of awareness and intention behind that. And um, when we are fairly mindless, we tend to get reactive more quickly. And now we're back to discomfort and tolerance again, right? We're back to being able to sit with things that are uncomfortable. But when we get reactive, then we tend to get sloppy in how we handle things, right? We, we're really, on a, on a very primal sense, just trying to avoid the uncomfortable and almost a panic kind of state. Whatever makes it stop right now is all that matters, no matter the long-term consequence. And in an intimate partner relationship, that can be really destructive to the connection. But you don't understand why you're reactive if you haven't done the work to understand yourself first right and so sitting with the uncomfortable recognizing when you get triggered 
when you are a little bit reactive and, and stretching out the time between the stimulus that got you there and the action that you take after, um, then you can kind of watch, turn your attention inward, see what's going on, explore where it comes from, get some insight, recognize what your habituated reactive patterns of behavior are, and then make an intentional choice to do something different. But if you don't have that awareness about yourself, then you know, you're likely to stay in a reactive place. And then I take it a step farther. If you don't have that awareness in your partner, you're much more likely to stumble around like a bull in a china shop and hit all the triggers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think there's a cool thing that I've, I've noticed at least in my own journey is that the more self-aware I become, um, the more aware, empathetic understanding I am of the partner, right? Because yeah. it, it, it helps put their actions, their behaviors in better context um, for me and helps with that reactivity somewhat, you know? Uh, and that's, you know, you, you like to, or at least I've, I've heard you say it before and you, you put it down as well, you know, um, some examples maybe of talking to listen or talking to, to convince versus listening to understand, um, yeah. you know, what, for for maybe some of the guys out there that might struggle with that, um, what are some examples of one and the other? Well, you know, it, stereotypes are stereotypes. They're not always true, but guys tend <laughs> to be problem solvers, right? Yeah. <clears throat> we want to get in there and fix it, whatever it is, whether that means mechanically or uh, maybe it just means we're going to tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have the answer, right? Yep. Most, um, and in the context of that talk to convince versus listen to understand the context of that is in, in sensitive conversations, right? Things that maybe have a higher potential to get reactive or to go poorly or to create conflict or to create disconnect. And most people go into the most couples go into those conversations, um, wanting to convince their partner of whatever their perspective is. Mm-hmm. Right. So I just need to say it the right way, or I just need to come up with the right reasons, or I just need to use all the right bullet points or I'm going to say it, you know, more times. Um, and, and what we're doing is we're just creating a power struggle, mm. right? And anytime we create a power struggle in a relationship, we both lose just because we're in a power struggle. Yeah. And so this talk to convince thing, you know, never mind the fact that as I'm doing that, so are you, mm. right? So you're not really listening to what I'm saying. You're thinking about what you're going to say to prove me wrong yeah. in your report, you know? It's like a boxing match, punch, counter, punch, right? Mm-hmm. Point, counter, and it just doesn't work. I mean, even if even if we get resolution and I win or you win, mm-hmm. right? It's only really because the other person's given in, mm-hmm. right? It's not usually because we've had a, a, a healthy debate and one person has been won over. Mm-hmm. So they want to get it, it a healthier way to do difficult conversations. We've got to flip the whole paradigm upside down. We're not talking anymore. We're listening. Right. My entire role in this conversation with you is to listen, to understand what you're trying to say, ask questions to understand it even more, even deeper, um, really get at what's going on below the surface. Hmm. Um, and by the way, this is not something that I just created. This idea has been around. Carl Rogers wrote an article in the 50s on active listening. So my kind of conceptualization is a, a derivation of that. Hmm. I call it intentional listening, but it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. You know, whatever's going on is probably on the surface. And as long as we stay on the surface, we're probably going to continue to argue. But if I can make my goal to listen to you, we get below the surface and understand what's the vulnerable thing or the emotional thing or the triggered thing. You know, if I understand that something's going on because you got triggered, it's a whole lot easier for me to have empathy and compassion as opposed to fighting over which way the toilet paper should I move. And once I've got empathy and compassion, then all of a sudden compromise is a whole lot easier. Yeah. When we both do that, you know, it's not easy, but when we both do that, then all of a sudden difficult conversations aren't problems anymore. They're chances for us to get stronger together as a team of two. Hmm. Yeah. Do you, something about that, that it's just, it seems so hard in the moment because it's, it, there's this primal, almost visceral sense of like, I have to get my point across. And, yeah. and when, when you're listening to them or you're attempting to listen, guys, and you hear things that were misinterpreted, you know, or they were triggering or whatever, and you have that strong temptation to correct 
right? Like that, it's like, no, let me stop you right there. This is what I was trying to say. You heard it wrong. Um, you know, does, does that do much to help tear down the defenses or does that just continue the sparring match? <laughs> and I'm smiling because I do that shit all the time. It's just so hard. I teach this every day <laughs> and, and it's very, very difficult to actually put it into practice, right? It's very difficult. Here's what I think. Again, this is all what I think, right? I'm not, right. I'm not the expert. I mean, I work in mental health, but I, I don't, I don't, um, I don't have letters behind my name on my door, right? I'm just a guy who's on the team trying to help figure things out. Right. Right. I think that we are all fundamentally egocentric. We just are. It's a, it's a survival thing. Um, you know, if we don't get food and water and shelter, we don't survive. We don't propagate. The species ends up, you know, fading away. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very prominent. I think, um, some people that dominates more than other people. I think the nice thing about being human, as opposed to, you know, animals, my dog right here, you can't see her, but you know, she doesn't have that higher uh, ability to think. Um, she doesn't have uh, a great capacity to understand my experience and feel empathy. So, you know, one of the things that, that makes us human is that ability to get out of our own experience and into somebody else's. And um, when we're in a relationship, if we stay egocentric, which is tied very closely to reactivity, which is tied completely to discomfort and tolerance and panic driven need to make it stop right now, no matter what, if we don't get out of that place, whatever we're doing is not going to go well. It's just not, there's no, there's no capacity for rational thought when you're stuck in that egocentric fight or flight discomfort and tolerance place. Those are two different parts of the brain. They don't play well together, right? There's no overlap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I got off the point of your question. I'm no, completely lost. No, that was that was good. That was good. I th- I think that went exactly like where I was, you know, looking as well. So um, I think it made perfect sense. There's and there's a lot of stuff that you you know you've said that makes um, makes very valid points. In that, like with even though you know all this stuff, it's still hard as hell to implement, right? Like it's still hard as hell to practice what we preach and you know, one of the big things I always try to say, like, guys, the, the solution is, is simple, but it's not easy. And, right. and I think that if you focus on the simplicity of it, you totally miss 98% of, of the whole journey because the practice is in fucking it up and then recognizing it and then learning how to minimize the damage as opposed to avoiding the fuck ups altogether. Yeah. I mean, we're back to the idea of self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. We're back to the idea of being able to recognize your emotions when they're happening. If you get down that path, the harder it gets to rein it back in, right? So it's so important to recognize it as early as possible and, um, and then do whatever you need to do with intention to either de-escalate or uh, even take a break, self-soothe, and come back to it later. But you know, if you don't have that fundamental piece of, of capacity for self-awareness, which so many people seem not to have or at least not to be able to hold on to very well, then, you know, everything goes south quickly. And, I, you know, everything from ridiculous road rage, you know, somebody in the gym today was talking about being at a, a junior high volleyball game. And this dad was losing his mind, cussing right behind the players. Wow. All just F-bomb this and GD that. It's clearly, somebody doesn't have a good sense of his emotional situation and how to regulate that, right? And that just creates all kinds of problems. And it usually affects people we care about the most. No, that's, I think that's a fantastic um, kind of, you know, summary and perspective to, to put on it. And I like how um, you, you like to frame things as, as you've said several times already is like, you know, I'm not the expert. Um, you know, I've got experience, but I'm, I'm not the expert. And I think that, I think that it's really easy for guys who are in a, a, a space of trying to seek out guidance is it's really sexy to find that person that that says they're like the self-proclaimed expert and i don't know i'm just i'm highly skeptical uh and i think that comes from experience of you know trying to trust certain people and then getting burned and then realizing like okay this is all just an it's an act but um you know i'm big on that too like i'll be the first one to tell somebody like i'm not perfect right like i'm not i'm not the ultimate expert in anything 
I happen to know more in certain areas than you know, but you know more in other areas than I know. And so that's why, you know, experience and education or training, like that's why that's obtained. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're immune to making the mistakes that we're educated about. Like, for example, there's majority of cardiologists I know are some of the people in the worst shape possible with the worst diet who all smoke and they drink and everything. Um, And they, they see it every day, right? Like they get in there and they see what is done to the heart yet they're hitting, you know, that large pizza on the way home. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that that's not immune to any skill or profession, but uh, I think it's important uh, guys, especially like when you're in a vulnerable place and you're kind of like at the end of your rope and you're looking for, you know, somebody to help you kind of get back on the right path and stop the bleeding. Um, find somebody that's willing to be like, Hey man, I'm down here in the trenches with you. Um, I'm just going to kind of help take the lead on the trail and point the light in the dark places and see if we can get out of this together. Yeah. Yeah. I, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of a, a philosophy of mine, although I don't know that I put it into practice because I don't know that I have to, it just happens if I find myself hanging out with somebody who has all the answers, it's time to stop hanging out with that person. Yeah. Right. There's some BS that's getting slung around there somewhere. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I, I think I mentioned to you on a phone call the other day that I joined this men's group with a local church, I'm not part of the church and they've been just amazing at welcoming me in as if I was, you know, like I, I deserve to be there as much as anybody, mm. but it's just a supportive place to be real, to be vulnerable. Mm. And, and what is the most helpful about it is we're all, we're all leaning on each other. Right. And as long as we all lean on each other, everybody's cool. Yeah. You know, if somebody steps out or, falls over, then the whole group kind of crumbles. And it not literally, but that's kind of the idea behind it, right? We're all there just to kind of mutually support each other. You know, I had a, um, a couple in my office yesterday and, and they were talking about, he was, you know, some things that he's struggling with. And, and she said, you know, what can I do to make it better for you? And while that sounds great on the surface, what I said to her is, you know, how about we reframe that just slightly? What can I do to be there with you in that? Mm. Like, it's not my job to fix anything for anybody. And I'm the professional in the room. You know, my job is to just sit with you in that, help you find some, maybe some insight and clarity so that you can do whatever you need to do. Mm. And I think, you know, it would be one thing if that's just my my professional philosophy, but that's kind of my personal philosophy. Like my marriage, my, you know, my job in the gym, my friends, my kids, even, you know, I, I don't want to fix anything for anybody. That's too much responsibility because I can't handle my own stuff very well a lot of the time. Yeah. But I'll do everything I can to sit with you in it and let's see if we can't figure something out together. Yeah. I think there's a lot of power in that because, uh, especially as guys, like you said, I, innately, we want to fix. Um, we, we almost like knowing that we can be relied on um, in a time where, you know, the shit hits the fan, like you might not want to answer the call, but you at least want the phone to ring, you know, um, so to speak. And I think it's a hard thing for a lot of guys when we put that pressure on ourselves and because ultimately, um, that ends up just us putting pressure on other people that don't necessarily deserve it. Like they've got enough on their plate, just like we've got enough on ours. And when it comes to relationships, you know, um, and, and again, uh, only kind of going down this relationship rabbit hole because, you know, like you, you said, you got your, your PhD in the school of hard knocks for relationships. Um, I think, <laughs> I think I've, it, I might be on a master's level right now, but, but I'm on my <laughs> way to the PhD in that. So um, it's, it's an interesting thing, right? Like it's that whole dynamic of you're two very different people. Um, and the power that I've found in just not jumping in to fix it and just going like, wow, that, you know, that really sucks. Like, I, I hate that you're going through that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to, to, to support you in any way that you need. Um, that for some reason, right. Guys like this sounds counterproductive from everything we've tried before, but saying stuff like that, it's like this massive, like, light comes down from heaven and you hear hallelujah play in their ears because it's like, Oh my God, this is what I need. But I think that that's not exclusive to, to females, right. To female partners. I think that, that even in guy friendships, 
uh, sometimes, sometimes it just feels good to know that like somebody else is willing to be there. Uh, and we don't have to go through that shit alone. Yeah. 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 Um, I learned a long time ago, um, and I haven't mastered it, but I learned the lesson. I'm working on mastering it still. But I learned a long time ago to not own what isn't mine to own. Mm. And I learned that when I was teaching. You know, you got to make sure every kid knows everything they're supposed to know. I, no, you don't. You got to make it learnable right. for every kid. But it's not my job to make sure that you learn it. Mm -hmm. That's your job. And, um, you know, letting go of what's not mine. And it's not mine to fix um, my friend's problems, my wife's problems, even my kids' problems. Um, it is my responsibility to sit with them as much as I can and be a support and help. And when somebody wants some advice to offer it, which, you know, is, is often the hardest thing to not offer it until you're asked. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a, a, an 18-year-old son right now who um, really wants to, to be grown up. And uh, he's very mature in a lot of ways. And I'm learning that um, he'll listen to me better if I wait for him to ask. <clears throat> but if I keep trying to, you know, put things out there, he's not ready. And that, you know, that's, that's reasonable, right? That's appropriate for where he is in the developmental, um, in the developmental process. But as a dad, it's hard. It's hard to be quiet sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can only imagine that, like not, not being in the fatherhood role. Um, it's already hard enough when, you know, you're, you're dealing with, relationship partners or friendships or family um, and sometimes with clients, right? Like that's something that I've, I've had to learn uh, working with clients and, and, you know, you can speak to this as well is like, stop trying to be their savior, you know, um, give them the tools to help them create their own path, you know, dig their own way out of the hole uh, because it, it's not, it's not your job, right. To take on their problems. Well, and not only that, and you know, I think this is such an important parenting lesson. It, it, not only is that not my job, it is um, enabling mm. for me to do that, mm. right? So if I continue to step in and fix things for you, and let's just assume that I do a good job, right? Because the reality is a lot of the time we actually make things worse. But let's just assume that I'm doing a good job with that. If I step in and fix things for you, number one, you never learn how to get up and walk on your own. And number two, I'm very subtly telling you, I don't have any faith in your ability to take care of yourself, mm. which is a huge problem. You know, kids who grow up in that kind of environment where mom or dad always did for them and they never had a chance to fall down and they never had a chance to skin their knee and never had a chance to fail a class or, you know, whatever. You know, what I'm, what I'm conveying to you without saying the words is you can't handle life by yourself, except at some point you're going to have to. And how does that work? Right. So, you know, who knows if I've done a good job, my kids um, at 16 and 18 have an opinion about that. And hopefully <laughs> that opinion will change as they continue to mature, but they will be the ones to speak to it at some point. I don't know. I'm doing the best I can. That's, I think that's, that's what we're all called to do is the best we know how to do, which means paying attention, not be mindless, but yeah. we, we all have a finite capacity to do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it possible to be a parent and not create some lasting wounds in our kids? Or is that just one of those things that's always going to happen? No, it's not. It's not possible. Yeah. You know, even, even good parents. Um, well, let's back up. What does good parents even mean in the first place? Right. I mean, sure. There's plenty of books out there about that, but there's clearly no universal standard that checks all the boxes and tells you exactly what to do. And, and so, you know, even the most well-intentioned and mindful parents are still human mm -hmm. and we all make mistakes and we all do damage. And, um, you know, that's that for this, for the self-aware parent, that's a hard thing to sit with. You know, I'm by far my own worst critic and, um, it's an, it's hard to not go down that rabbit hole to sit and try to figure out constructively without starting to beat yourself up. But you no, know, I mean, they all kids come out of childhood with some degree of trauma, all of us. Right. And if we don't know what that is and learn about how, what that's done for us emotionally and then in our our mechanism to become habituated behavior patterns, I think all into our own intimate partner relationships and make a big mess. Mm. Right? We're back to reacting again. We're back to like emotional awareness again. Mm. Yeah, 100 percent. It's um, it's just one of those things where um, 
Well, I mean, not to be repetitive, but it's, it is, it's the self-awareness piece because if, if we're mindless and we're drifting and we're not really wanting to kind of look first at ourselves, um, instead of just always trying to look elsewhere for the, you know, something to blame or somebody to, to put some responsibility on that maybe it's not fully theirs. Like it's always ours too. I think it's, it's hard with the exception of, you know, certain violent situations like violent uh, acts to really feel like we're totally lacking culpability in any kind of dynamic that doesn't go maybe as we'd intended, uh, whether that be a relationship or friendship, whatever. Um, and I don't know, it's again, not somebody who's had parents I've helped aid in parenting, um, of somebody, but I think in my opinion, the most important thing, and maybe this is me projecting what my desires were looking back on my own childhood, um, is that it's helpful for me to feel like somebody that's looking over me or looking out for me or helping to guide me is self-aware and they're not just full of shit and trying to trying to turn me into a clone of their own wounds and misunderstandings and misdeeds and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it would be nice if we knew where that line is Mm -hmm. right between um, cultivating autonomy versus not being involved enough. (laughs) It seems like a fine line. Right. Yeah. Or um, helping form the structure versus being a helicopter parent. I mean, there is no hard and fast line. And, and even if there were, it wouldn't apply in all contexts, right? Because the, the rules change in every different scenario. Um, and, you know, that's why parenting is, is at the same time, both the hardest and the most rewarding thing, maybe other than, you know, a healthy relationship with your spouse. And those are the hardest and the most rewarding things because they demand so much in order to do them well. Um, and even, even with your best effort, you're going to still screw some things up. You're still going to hurt the people you care about. But I think, you know, when we pay attention, and I don't just mean internally, you know, we have to be able to take feedback, even if it's indirect, right? Even if we just see what happened didn't go well. But when you pay attention, then your capacity for doing a pretty decent job is, I would say, is fairly high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, Derek, we'll, let's shift gears a little bit and tell us, tell us a little bit about what, um, what you're doing, right? Like with your own, your own business and your own kind of, uh, present and future endeavors. Yeah. I, um, you know, we all went to school with people who knew what they wanted to be when they grew up. Right. You might have been one of those people. I don't know. Um, unfortunately I, I've never figured out what I want to do when I grow up. Mm -hmm. And even at 48, I'm still not quite sure. And um, so I'm constantly exploring new options, right? And I think that ties into I, I, I always want to be just a little bit better than I was before. My, my good buddy Ben Williamson taught me that a long time ago. Better than yesterday is the slogan for his gym yeah. in Nashville. And, uh, you know, I always want to do things a little bit better. And so I'm constantly learning to learn more, trying to learn more. And I have not, I have not found the balance between learning a little bit more and being comfortable where you are. Right. And there, there needs to be a balance. Mm -hmm. So all of that kind of rambling to say that, um, you know, I'm kind of in a transitionary phase. Um, Right before COVID hit, I had already started to do some training on working remotely, working virtually. And um, so of course, like everybody else, you know, COVID ramped that up. I've been a part of uh, the clinical mental health world for about 12 years and, and I'm really kind of um, disillusioned with, with some of the insurance and big business and big pharma kind of protocols. And <clears throat> um, like you said earlier, I have a much, I have a lot of interest in a holistic approach anyway. Um, the, the coaching training that I did was similar to, to clinical work, but different. So what I'm moving into is more of a holistic kind of health and wellness and relationship coach um, path. Um, um, working on, working on um, building a, a social media presence, which is not <laughs> something that um, I had before. I was not a social media guy, um, but I've been convinced that, you know, just 
doing that as part of my job, you know, so that people can try to see who I am, you know, from a distance. Right. I have a program that I've written um, and that I've written and, and, and marketing now for um, couples who are struggling or who just want to get, you know, better. Maybe things aren't all that bad, but they want to deepen their connection. And so it's um, about understanding yourself better, understanding your partner better, developing um, better coping skills and deepening that connection. And, um, you know, my short term plan, and we'll see what, what it looks like is to work remotely and maybe be a little bit more nomadic for a while. I'm kind of addicted to YouTube overland videos, you know, people living out of their truck and camper and pull behind trailer and going into back country. And, you know, as long as I can get a cell phone signal where I can still work a little bit, that sounds pretty nice. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm not there yet, um, but I'm moving in that direction. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, well, that's, I, I think that's fantastic. And I know like you and I talked about this, you know, in some length, um, the other night on the phone, because, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, um, whatever happened in 2020, um, you know, had, had the potential to open up a lot of eyes, uh, in terms of different avenues to explore, uh, for further growth, instead of seeing it as, um, uh, almost like an imprisonment, but more so an opportunity to explore maybe, you know, what am I really passionate about? Like, is, is it this, is it this forever? Or, um, you know, is now the time to maybe jump in a little bit deeper water of that ambition, uh, and that pool of opportunity that might exist and, and go that route. So I, I'm, I'm excited for you, man, because I, I think that's fantastic. Um, I think that'll be a great thing. And, um, I, I think that that's a very, very much needed, um, void that, that has to be filled. Right. And so I, I think that you're a good person to do that, man. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes for you because I think that's a, like I said, a, a huge opportunity for guys, um, especially because let's be honest, most of the time when it comes to having any kind of intimate partner, uh, difficulties, I, I don't know, I could be totally, um, misrepresenting the facts here, but it seems like the guys are typically the ones that are being drug in the door and not necessarily the ones that are, are voluntarily like, Hey honey, I think we should go do this. Right. Like, I think this would be great for our relationship. Yeah, it's, it, um, in my experience, that has proved to be true. You know, um, like the couple I referenced yesterday, she said, I've asked you to do this for so long. You know, why are we here now? I, I'm having a hard time believing that you really want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the Facebook, group, Facebook group that I have around this is um, called Infant Partner Connection. Um, you know, so many of the people, I, I, literally, and it's fairly new, right? I just started this a couple of weeks ago, this particular group. But um I don't know how many members I have. I could tell you if it mattered. Oh, actually, I'm looking at it in the background. 71 members. Nice. I, I, if if I have more than four of those that are males, mm-hmm. I would be surprised. I mean, they stick out, right? There's so few. Yeah. Um, and, you know, is that an indication of a problem? Is it just there's some natural um, differences in our personalities? I, I don't know. It's not it's not my place to to decree, you know, how it should be or how it is. I just know that it's mostly females, but I also know that, you know, most of the time we guys probably would be better off if we worked a little harder at some of that stuff. Hmm. And not only would we be better off, but our relationships would be better off. And um, it's a hot button thing right now, gender stereotypes. And I'm not a big fan of them anyway, but the reality is I've got a group of 70 plus people and maybe four of them are guys, you know, Um, and I don't think that's... um, my, my, the choice I make on how to interpret that is guys need more of this kind of work. Mm-hmm. That's what that tells me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, you know, like you said, it, it can be a slippery slope to make broad, you know, characterizations and things like that. But then also at the same time, like if you just look at available data, right, like whatever the small sample size is that our own experiences have shown us, um, you know, it would appear that guys are more hesitant. Um, I think maybe deep down, probably more fearful of what kind of peeking into the dark side of things, uh, being emotional health and, and mental health and things like that might might reveal because 
it's just easier to put the blinders on and just keep pushing forward. Um, and, and I think that no man out there that has an intimate relationship with a partner or desires one, um, doesn't want it to be a good one. Like, why would you not want it to be a happy, healthy relationship? Like, do you, do you want to perpetuate the ball and chain stereotype or do you actually want to be happy and why enter into it with somebody if you're not interested in that? Yeah, I, I think that's the idea. I think too many times um, we we get into relationships because, you know, she's cute or because she's fun or he's whatever. Right. And um, we don't when we don't really know how to dig deeper and to cultivate something on a deeper level, <clears throat> then we stay kind of on that surface level. And that eventually becomes unsustainable because they're just they're problems that come up when we don't get a little bit deeper disconnect. And um you know, I think being able to and willing to go a little bit deeper really is where the most fulfilling relationships are going to come from. And that doesn't have to be intimate partnerships, right? Like that's friends, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I, I love my drinking buddies. I don't have that many of them, by the way, but I love my <laughs> drinking buddies. But um, I'm probably going to be a little bit more vulnerable with this group that meets at the church. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's a there's a, an incredibly valuable place in my life for both of those. Mm-hmm but the most fulfilling relationships are the ones uh, um, who, who see me when I'm not my best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. You know, being able to kind of switch on and off. Well, that, that sounds, that doesn't sound healthy, uh, but being able to access that, that vulnerability in a place where it's more accepted, right? Like that's, you've got to have that balance in my opinion, because uh, something I'd referenced the other night on our call was just how, you know, when, let's say when um, our female partners, right, like when they're experiencing a big setback or something devastating that happened or something really upsetting, like one of the first things that they tend to do, right, if we're making broad characterizations is they want to kind of rush to the aid of each other. And they want to be able to provide that space to say, Hey, like open up what happened, um, share, you know, share about how you're feeling, what are you going through? But then at the same time, they're also there to like uplift and say, like, let's help get you through this. Um, whereas I think with, with guys and a lot of this comes down with the intent, I believe in which we enter in a lot of these, these friendships with other guys. Um, we're not really looking for that. Like we're not seeking that out. We're seeking out like, okay, this dude, seems like the same kind of things I like. There's a good back and forth. Like we seem to be on the same kind of level, whether it be uh, intellectually or um, beliefs, values, whatever. Um, And that's somebody I could, you know, somebody that seems kind of fun that I can hang out with. It seems fairly laid back and they're not going to make me feel uncomfortable too much. Uh, So there's kind of that, that opposite side of things. And I think it's not a bad idea for guys with like what you said to have both types of friends or multiple types of friends because you need the guys that like you can just kind of shoot the shit with and kick back a few and just, you know, keep it as surface level as you want to, but then also being able to have that place where, Hey guys, like I need to kind of dig into some things. Like, is that cool? And to- somebody being like, Hey man, absolutely. That's what I'm here for. Cause I've got shit too. Yeah. And it may be the same group of guys, right? It may just be context specific, right. you know, right. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be two mutually exclusive groups mm-hmm. by any means. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, you know, just being real and vulnerable. But the, again, context matters, right? So Facebook, social media is the classic example of vulnerability that's not real vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm putting something out there, not me personally, but some people put things out there just to get more attention, to get more likes, you know, woe is me. This is the drama that's going on in my life kind of deal. Yep. That's not really what we're talking about, right? That's kind of a fake vulnerability or at least maybe not a, I don't want to say fake. Maybe um, it's not, you're not going to feel better yeah. because of the connection that you get through your screen. It's not authentic. Like you would when you're in person. No. Not authentic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. Um, and, and that's why a lot of times with, I have that, it's not a, it's not even a love hate relationship with social media. Like I literally despise it. Um, yet it's true. That's it. most people that listen to this, they wouldn't find me 
weren't, you know, weren't it not for social media in some way to point them toward this podcast or the podcast to point them towards one of my social media pages, because it's, it's like, if, if you're like me and you go on Amazon, you go to order something online, like I immediately go to the review section. And so Mm -hmm. I want to hear what other people have to say about it. And I want to see not that plus what do these people have to say about themselves? And then it's up to me to make the determination about like risk reward. Like, is this a legitimate purchase that I need to make or invest in? Or is it something that I just need to keep scrolling past? And, and that's how I approach my social media is that, you know, I'm going to share some things that aren't super surface level because I think it's important. One, I'm not airing my dirty laundry, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like you need to see that I am a human and I'm not afraid right. to reveal other levels or other layers um, and right. in doing so, hope to establish and gain trust in feeling like this isn't some fake ass phony who's always on a high and always excelling yeah. and always doing everything because I'm not. Um, and I, th- I think that that is where most people don't want to go, especially when it comes to using this tool called social media. Like they want to immerse themselves in the dream. And in the fantasy and all that does is, you know, on on this quest, you know, kind of circling back to the beginning, you know, talking about how connection is, is so important and, and a vital thing for us as humans, we've got this, these tools, right. That claim to make us more connected and more seamless in our interactions with each other. Yet I would argue from my opinion that if anything, the superficiality of it and the selective, sharing of what's revealed and what's not has just amplified what some of us do in our personal lives anyway, right? Like some, there are certain people we only pick and choose what we reveal to them. Now their social media, I think we're less connected. We're more accessible, but we're less connected than ever. Yeah. I really don't think that, um, I don't think there's any arguing that frankly, I don't think anybody who pays attention would argue what you just said. And, you know, if you listen to the people, that, that documentary, um, Social Dilemma, is that what it was yeah. called? The documentary yeah. Netflix time ago, right? The very people who created a lot of these algorithms that social media runs on, talking about how um, maybe they think it's not good because you get more information is fed to because of what information you've put out there. It's just, it's, um, it's um, uh, confirmation bias, right? Yep. And, um, yeah, I think, I hope at least that at some point there'll be a swing the other way where, um, because social media promotes such a, 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 a public facing presence that isn't necessarily real life for a lot of people. And I really hope at some point that whether it's on social media or not, I don't really care, but that there will be a swing the other way towards true investment in people. And, um, and that means, you know, I'm not going to air all of my dirty laundry, but, I'm human. And it, when the context is appropriate, I'm going to let that be known and I'm going to lean into you and I'm going to invite you to lean into me, whether it's a friend or, or my wife, hopefully at some point, my children, when they're a little bit more open to that again, <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think that's, that, that's the human condition, right? It's um, recognizing that we're all flawed and leaning into and allowing others to lean into us so that we all leaning into each other. We're pretty strong. Yeah. But if somebody falls, then the whole thing comes down. Yeah, yeah. man, absolutely. Um, you know, having said all that, um, you know, I don't know, maybe it's a good spot to, to wrap things up and like tie it back to, to your groups. Um, you know, guys, I, and, and any ladies that listen, I know I've got like a 5% female listenership. Uh, so kudos, kudos to you ladies who are, I mean, the title of it is about- the title of it is about becoming a better man. I guess the, those ladies are listening so they can tell what their uh, husbands and partners what to do. Yeah, they're they're doing recon work and uh, yeah, they're <laughs> they're getting in there and kind of scoping out like, hey, what can I help my husband with? Which hey, fantastic. Um, but yeah, so if if you're looking for um, you know more information, more resources, more support or uh, connection with other people who might be in the same boat as you. Um, you know, Derek's got, got some groups available. I know like you already referenced it, your intimate partner connection, Facebook group. And guys, I'll put, I'll put all this in the, in the show notes. So that way you, you can access it, uh, when you're listening to the episode. Um, but then also your, your human nature wellness, Facebook page. Um, 
Sounds like a good place yeah, to follow. That's, uh, yeah, that's very new. It's uh, it's not a lot going on there yet. I'm trying to post. You know, it's when you're intentional about what you're posting and you're trying to build a brand and you're trying to, to have integrity in that. <clears throat> um, it's not easy, right? Because yeah. it's super easy to snap a picture of what I had for dinner or you know talk about whatever. But when you really want something to be substantive, um, it takes a little bit more time and effort. So I'm still learning that. I'm not. Um, I'm not there yet, but. Um, human nature, uh, it, because um, Facebook, whatever, needed um, more than just human nature wellness. It's human nature, health and wellness is the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And then the partner connection is the group. Um, people can email me at Derek at human nature dot net. Human nature, not wellness. Sorry. Derek at human nature wellness dot net. Um, you know, if you're interested in more information about the program for couples. Awesome. We reach out. Yeah, man. Fantastic. Um well, guys, I, I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, Derek is a, a wealth of, of insight and perspective. Um, whether he wants to admit that or not, that's another thing. But uh, he really is. And, and if, if you gained as much of this as I did from the episode, then uh, feel free to reach out to him. By all means, like, please reach out to the guy um, and let me know as well how you, how you uh, received the episode because – uh, he and I have already kind of talked about this. It, it's probably not going to be the only time I have him on. Um, if anything, that could be even like a regular occurrence from time to time. So um, I, think, I think it's a great thing. And uh, man, I just, I appreciate you uh, and I appreciate your time um, e- even more so. So uh, just, just glad to have guys like you around. Um, and I think that, that other guys out there could also benefit from from having people such as yourself as well. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, if I could kind of leave you with one thought, I mean, you're, you're very generous in your description. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just my own worst critic. Here's what I would say though. You know, anything that I know is only because I listen, right. I've, I've spent a lot of time working with people and I've never felt like the expert. Um, I certainly made plenty of my own mistakes, but I listen and I pay attention. And so whatever I know is only because I listen and I pay attention, not because I do a lot of talking. Yep. Boom. Perfectly said. Guys, that's a lesson for all of us. So um, until next week, guys, tune in. Uh, Feel free to share the episode out with uh, your friends on social media or any other guys that you know. You're like, hey, man, like I heard this really good podcast episode. Um, I'm going to send it to you. By all means, like don't just – don't just keep things in the dark, especially if you know it's going to benefit somebody else that you know, um, or even if you know you found something great and you want to share it with everybody else and make sure that they think it can be just as great too. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can have that impact on you. Uh, that's not the intention. Don't don't want to be great, but we want to just be better today than we were yesterday. So, appreciate you all. Until next week, that's it for now. So that's it for this episode of Becoming a Better Man. If you found this episode helpful or interesting, something that you could apply to your everyday life, please post on your social media platforms what your takeaway was from this episode, as well as taking a screenshot with the tag, Becoming a Better Man, so that way we can help spread the word on Instagram and Facebook and help get more men aligned with their purpose, trying to become better every day for themselves, their communities, and their families. 